The follow-up is simple. Ask a question, listen to the answer, then follow up. I'm your host, Noah Kozlov. Enjoy. The follow-up today is with Jimmy Traina, the sports media, I'm going to call him sports media commentator for Sports Illustrated, wears so many hats, but he's also the host of the Sports Illustrated media podcast. Jimmy, what's the mistake that sports media executives continue to make that you just can't believe is still happening? I think it's, I think there's a lot of mistakes that um, media executives make, but I think the biggest is just not caring about their fans. And maybe that sounds a little bit harsh, but I'm amazed how many decisions are made and there's no thought to how fans will react or how it affects fans from, um, you know, jamming up the screen with as many scrolls and graphics as possible to uh, commercials, to bad announcers, to, um, you know, insulting viewers. And and I, I just think they take fans for granted. I think they take viewers for granted because we're sort of held hostage because we're sports fans. We're going to watch sports no matter what's going on. Uh, but just, you know, late start times, uh, you name it. It just seems like there's there's never anything done for the fans. It's it's a business and, you know, the business comes first. And I, I, I think that sports fans are not treated well by media executives. When was the last time you felt insulted watching a broadcast of any kind? Well, I mean, you know, when they when they try to maybe present uh, a commercial and they don't want you to think it's a commercial. I, I mean, you know, ESPN will promote Disney movies on their scroll. Or, you know, the, the ESPN has put, they've put people in the booth during games because they're in a Disney movie. Fox, you know, Fox when they cut to the cut to the stands and, oh, there's uh, so-and-so from uh, the hit show this and, you know, on Fox Thursdays at 8. Do you think the majority of fans think the same way you do? I think they, I think most fans probably aren't aware of what's going on, and I think that's why the networks are able to get, get away with it. I think a lot of fans, uh, like me, are, are sick of it, but I think, you know, I'm in the media, you're in the media. I think if you're in the media, you sort of know the scams that these media, the TV networks try to pull. If you're just the average Joe, you might not, you know, you may think like, Oh, Fox is randomly showing that actor. And no, it's all planned. And it's not a surprise. And it's a promotion for their show. I'm I'm not sure the average Joe knows or cares, but I guess for us in the media, we know, and and it does feel a bit gratuitous. So then, so then how do you determine whether or not, the sports media executive or the sports media platform is ignoring its fans or not? There, there are certain things that happen where it does seem, you know, um, start times, for example, or the, the NBA, play, how about the way the NBA playoffs are spaced out? Uh, you know, three days in between games. MLB putting games on Facebook uh, exclusively, not even, you know, people, you know, NFL, everything exclusive to the Sunday ticket, where you're a local fan, for instance, of a baseball team and the game's only on Facebook. That's just not the way a lot of people want to watch a game. A Sunday ticket, you're, you know, games are blacked out in certain areas for, you know, in this day and age, everyone should be able to watch whatever they want whenever they want. Do you give baseball on the, on the Facebook side of things, do you give them credit at all for, trying to be what they would be considered as innovative? Well, you could be 
you can be innovative without forcing people. You know, people pay money for their cable subscriptions. People pay money for the you know MLB extra innings package, and then when that's not an option for them to watch a game, you know, people pay people pay money for the MLB TV, which is a great app, and then you're telling them they can only watch it on Facebook. I mean. It's hard for me to say. Oh, give them credit for being innovative. There's mm-hmm. other ways to be innovative uh, without without doing that. So, what about from the announcer's perspective, or I should say, from the announcer side of things, the the mistakes that executives continue to make? Well, they just you know they think if a player, if it's a big name player, they're going to be good in the booth, and it just doesn't work out that way. I mean, we've we've seen Fox and ESPN. I mean, basically they would do anything to get Peyton Manning in a broadcast booth to call NFL games. No one knows if Peyton Manning's going to be any good. And it's not like, you know, it's not like in the real world where you get a job and you start out at like an entry level and you make a little salary. Like they're going to give him the top job and a massive salary without knowing anything about his broadcasting acumen. And, and that is, that's simply the, the Tony Romo effect. I, listen, it was Networks always wanted big name players in the booth, but after Romo had so much success last year, and in this day and age where everybody hates everything because of Twitter, where he was universally praised for the most for the most part, he was praised. Something you just never see. I'm sure networks everywhere saw that and and were just besides themselves in trying to find the next Tony Romo. I mean, it's it's pretty obvious that that's... It was, before Romo, it wasn't a common thing where a player would go from the field to the, bo- to the booth to the number one team in that season. And uh, Romo did it, and now every network, of course, thinks anyone can do it. Right, so you talked about the, the praise that Romo got on Twitter. So praise and the... Well, and there's tons of negativity on Twitter. You think yeah. that media executives program their networks too much based on what they see on Twitter? Absolutely. I, I think we all do it too. I mean, I think writers do it. I do it. Um, but I mean, listen, I've said for a long time, I think Twitter was made for sports fans. It's, it's the perfect thing. You can watch a game with people. You can get your news, your information, for, you, you know, you can, um, sort of, uh, Sort of I'm looking for narrow. You know, you could follow certain writers, follow certain teams, certain sports. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, you can get out of Twitter whatever you want from it. Wait, which you can is, personalize it. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. So, um, you can use Twitter for whatever you want, which which makes it great from that standpoint. But I do think um, there is way too much attention paid to Twitter, and not just from. I mean, look at the Jay Feely thing this weekend. I just wrote about this. Um, he posed for a picture. Uh, with his daughter and his and the daughter's date going to the prom, and he had a gun in the picture. Mm-hmm. And obviously, these are sensitive times with the guns or whatever. But it was—I me- mean, anyone who didn't think that was a joke belongs in a mental institution. And I am sure, I am sure, I would bet my salary that CBS nudged him to do the Twitter apology. And I think if you're not on Twitter and you're just you know an average person in the real world and saw that photo, you probably would not be outraged. You may not think it's funny, which is fine, but, you know, it's still meant to be a joke. I I don't think he was going to murder his daughter's prom date that night. No, no, of course not. Of course not. And and it seems like, well, with anything, that that photo included and and so many other things, that if if you don't find something funny, then you have to be outraged about it. Yes, 
I, and I think just people see gun outrage because of you know what's gone on. But there is the problem with Twitter right now is intent and context. Or I, I don't think his intent was anything other than you know trying to play off that stereotype of look at me, I'm the overprotective dad with my daughter and daughter's date going to prom. I mean that was the intent. So. That needs to count for something, but unfortunately, with people, that doesn't count for anything. I mean, I guess people saw the tweet and thought he was mocking, you know, um, gun violence. But again, you may think that, and it may not be a well thought out tweet. That's fine, but that doesn't have to automatically be outrage. You're a piece of garbage. You know, this guy's the worst. Blah blah blah. You know, but it always it has to go from zero to sixty on Twitter. Always does. There's no in between. Yeah, there's no in between. Jimmy, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. Thank you for having me. Twitter can turn a conversation into a debate in eight characters. Drives me nuts. Then it turns into the echo chamber, and no one should be relying solely on Twitter for anything. That's just irresponsible. Sometimes I wish, though, I didn't know as much as I do about how sports television is made, and oftentimes I think sports media members act like everyone should be watching with the same critical eye. But sometimes, and maybe the majority of the time, it's refreshing to get lost in the game itself and block out everything and everyone else. As a fan and a viewer of sports, or another genre, do you feel ignored or insulted ever? I find myself more annoyed than anything else sometimes, but let's have that conversation. Not a debate, a conversation on Twitter at Jimmy Traina, T-R-A-I-N-A, T-R-A-I-N-A, and at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Also, the 25 seconds you're about to spend on Instagram for the 23rd time today, use that time instead to click five-star rating on iTunes and leave a review of the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join us on The Follow-Up. The Follow-Up is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.